Have you thought this through? No way will that work. Are you sure? Is there any money in that? You'll never make any money doing that. How are you going to pay the mortgage? Just get a job. Are you going to try and settle that? Why can't you be normal like everybody else? Oh, your parents want to? The savvy entrepreneur to the rescue. Congratulations. That really turned out well. I'm really Hey there. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur. We are broadcasting from the greater Chicago, Milwaukee area. I'm your host, Doris Nagel, and I am a nutty entrepreneur myself. I love helping other entrepreneurs because I have started or been part of starting at least nine different businesses and have also counseled lots of businesses, small businesses and startups over the past 30 years. And oh boy, uh, I've not only seen mistakes, but I personally have made lots of mistakes. So my passion is to help others and help them not make the same mistakes and find other guests and resources to share tips and advice for entrepreneurs and small business people of all kinds. I welcome your comments, as always, your questions, suggestions. If there's a topic you'd like to hear about, you've got an issue or a challenge, or you want to be a guest, or maybe even just share a great resource, make sure to email me at dnagel, N-A-G-E-L, at lakes, plural, radio, dot org. And now, without further ado, I would like to introduce our guest for today. Joining me by phone is Christina Fontenelle. She's going to share the story of how she built her consulting firm. I guess I would call it a consulting firm, but she'll explain once we get her on the phone, which she calls Fontenelle Arts. So hang on just a minute here, and we're going to get Christina on the phone. Hi, Christina speaking. Hi, Christina. Good morning. It's Doris Nagel with the Savvy Entrepreneur. How are you today? Good morning. I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Okay, super. Well, I haven't finished my introduction, so you can blush while I read through a little bit about you so our listeners can have a little background before we start our chat. Christina describes herself as a trilingual Afro-Latina psychotherapist and she works and specializes in art and dance movement and therapy she's uh she's a smart cookie she attained her master's of art therapy from the school of the art institute of chicago which is known as one of the most influential programs in north america and internationally i didn't know that christina that's very cool Mm, yeah she also graduated from something called the 92y harkness dance center's alternative route dance movement therapy program in new york she is the owner of Fontenelle Art, LLC, and it's a company that aims to serve communities by providing art and movement-based approaches to professional development, mental health awareness, and community cohesion. She's also the author of a, a book, that, which is very cool, and uh, hopefully we'll have a chance to talk about that, which is called Aligning Your Inner Self Meditation Journal. So, Christina, with that introduction, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so it's a a very interesting corner of the world. You know, one of the best parts about the show, for me at least, Mm -hmm. and I hope for our listeners, is that they get to hear a little bit about all kinds of different businesses. And what you do is, is something probably a lot of people aren't really familiar with. Well, let's start out by talking just a little bit about what Fontenelle Art is. What what it, What is it that you do exactly, and what are some of the ways that you do it? Yeah, so Fontenelle Art is a business that uses art and movement-based strategies from the therapeutic realm to go into different spaces where 
trauma is present or where there's miscommunication or anything that can have alignment with health and wellness. And so my company offers art therapy workshops, dance movement therapy workshops. I also do public speaking and talking about mental health awareness, not just within the city of Chicago, but just talking about in the world what's happening. I also do any fitness classes to help those who are looking to just be more in tune with their bodies. So I'm also in process of becoming a yoga teacher. Oh. I'm a Zumba teacher. Mm-hmm. Very so cool. really just trying to find alternative ways on which I can be an advocate for wellness. And I also do consulting. I work with an organization called Children's Home and Aid in which it is a daycare for five and under. And they're struggling with a lot of children who have behavioral concerns fighting, slapping, um, pinching, not being able to socialize, withdrawn, even as young as five, experiencing depression and social anxiety. And so I go in and I do interventions after I do observations and I talk with the teachers, I talk with the parents, and I come up with strategies on how we can help this child succeed. Wow. Very interesting. Well, I'd I'd love to dive into some of those because there's some... Some pretty interesting points, I think, you just made. But but first, okay. I, I, I'm curious how you decided to start this business. So there are lots of dance majors, I guess, and, you know, you could have probably taught just purely dance or maybe gone to, to dance with a company. How did you decide mm-hmm. to form your own business and the, develop the concept behind it? So my faith is very important to me. It's the core foundation of everything I do. And I cannot take any credit and say that I decided this. But it was something that was predestined for me. It started in college where I was actually in school to be a biochem. I was going to be a pediatrician. And just one day in class, I said, you know, I know I can do this, but I want to do something more, something art-related. And so I took the route of becoming, you know, an art teacher, took some classes, transferred to another school with a better program. And then at, at that time, they were cutting all the art programs in Chicago. And so, you know, I'm freaking out. My parents are freaking out because they didn't want me to go into a profession that would not lead me to any financial stability. Right. And I just remember one day going into my counselor's office and just crying and just saying, you know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I've been here for two years. I feel lost. And as I'm crying, she's asking me questions like, well, what do you like? What are you interested in? And I said, I I love art and I'm interested in psychology. I like the brain and I want to help people. Mm. So she literally turned around and Googled art therapy. And that's where the Art Institute came up. And I started forming my way because in order to be admitted to the art therapy program, you have to have gotten your bachelor's in art therapy. Uh. But at that time. ISU, Illinois State University, doesn't offer that. And because no is not in my vocabulary, I formed my own major. Well, you are meant to be an entrepreneur, that's for sure. You don't take no for an answer. I don't. I don't. So I figured out what classes I needed. Um, So I was a studio arts major with a sequence in painting, and I double minored in psychology and art history. I went and I got an interview and I remember telling them, you know, very straightforward and saying, I know I don't meet the qualifications for your program, but I guarantee that if you give me an opportunity, I'll be the best art therapist that comes out of this program. So how did you you end up combining dance with art therapy? So while I was in my internship for art therapy, I had a supervisor who was a dance movement therapist. And I remember my first year, I was always interested in the body. We would talk about the art, the making, the painting, the creating. And I was like, but what about the body? We use our body to make the art. I couldn't see the difference between, you know, you can't make art without moving and you can't move without making art. And when I had my first internship and I saw her lead a dance movement therapy group, it was at a center for traumatic brain injury. And she just, she rocked my world. What I saw... I was never the same. I was like, you just communicated a whole 60 minutes without words with your clients. And from there, I had graduated from art therapy, and it was always, you know, on my radar, and I was interested in going to Columbia College. But I ended up moving to Miami after I graduated from the Art Institute. And I was like, oh, you know, I'll just go to a, a dance and therapy master's program there. But there was none in the state. You're kidding. 
And I was like, oh, so I'd have to move back to Chicago, but I had already become established. And so I just Googled dancers and therapists, and I found this w- woman named Susan Kleiman. And I met with her. She just gave me advice, and she told me about 90 Second Y, in which it was a summer alternative. So I would only go for three years, three weeks in June, and then I'd be able to come back. I was like, oh, that's great. I, I wouldn't have to move. I wouldn't have to relocate. It's not a full master's program. I would still be able to work. And later on, I discovered that she used to be the president of the American Dance Therapy Association. So that's where I say, like, it wasn't me. It was people that were placed in my life to guide me along what I was interested in. And I just graduated last year. And so you just graduated. So I guess my my question for you is, is have have you ever actually been an employee working for another organization or you just decided right out of the, the gate to start your own business? So to be very transparent, I was in Miami and I lost about four jobs while I was there because I would go in and I would see I noticed the pattern that in South Florida, there's a lot of fraud. There's a lot of insurance fraud. Um, so a lot of the therapy jobs I was getting, they wanted me to falsify information, add additional hours. Oh, my um, goodness. I, I never working. would have imagined that. That's horrible. Yeah. Well, I was working with the elderly, and so I guess a lot of companies were getting away with it because they wouldn't know. They wouldn't know how much you know insurance was taking out or the hours and billing. So they were taking advantage of this population, and I put my foot down, and I said, no, I will not risk it. It's unethical. Yeah, it was a big push and pull, and I got another job, and they were mistreating the youth who were struggling with addiction. These kids were living with roaches and holes in a wall, and they were getting verbally abused, and I put my foot down again, and I said, this is unacceptable. These kids are flying in from all over the nation, and you won't even let them call their parents to explain to them what's happening. That was another wow. job. And a couple more after that. And my last two months in Miami, I, I was actually living in an apartment and surviving off of selling my art in the street. <laughs> so how did you end up moving back? You you live now in Chicago, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I moved back in 2018. My parents live in Chicago and my father struggles with dementia and my mother is physically disabled. And so she had gotten ill while I was away, and it was just a lot of little things, like she wasn't taking her medication, they weren't eating properly. And I do have two siblings who live in the area, but they also have their lives and work. And so I decided to move back and um, just be an aid for them because I was someone who was single without kids. Christina, it sounds like you've had um, some trauma of your own to deal with. So I suppose... You can practice on yourself and and help help with it with some of the healing with going through that through through your mm-hmm. own your own art and and dance. Yes, and I think that's why I'm such an advocate because of how healing it is for me. That yeah. I want other people to experience and have a taste of what wellness can be yeah. on a small scale in your own room, you know, anywhere you can. Well, you know, it's interesting. Your story actually is not, I think, all that unusual for entrepreneurs that I've talked to. A lot of people mm-hmm. end up as entrepreneurs because they just don't, they don't seem to fit anywhere else. And I, I would say that's, that's really fit. true. Of, that's true of me too, you know. Yeah. Um, I yeah. worked in a, in big corporations and mm-hmm. yeah, the money was great and the paycheck and the benefits and all that, but I, I was absolutely miserable. And right. um, so when you don't fit and you keep trying to be a square peg in a round work. hole mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. at some point, and, and I know um, it's sometimes hard for friends and family to understand that. To because, understand. Oh, absolutely. So have you gotten some pushback? I know, I certainly know I have in my process. People are like, well, why don't you just find a job, you know, get a job, do your little thing, keep your mouth shut, you know, don't be mm-hmm. wave. And mm-hmm. uh, it's just hard for people to understand when you're just not wired up that way. Yes, yes. And so I, I agree. I agree that it is challenging, um, but it's about getting the right people around you. 
And at first, you know, my family and my friends were, they were excited when I got a job at the Art Institute. And I was, um, when I came back, I accepted that position as the art therapist for the school. I was like, oh, this is full circle. This is wonderful. This is where I got my degree. I'm able to pour back into the same students. And um, but lo and behold, after, you know, three months, it started coming up again. I kept seeing issues behind the scenes of management, how students are being treated, discrimination, and just not being willing to accommodate that students come first. And I, I left that position as well. And everyone was like, but why would you leave there? They had great benefits. You right. And they tell you it's, it's so risky, which it is. Yeah. You know, starting it a business is. and you don't have a steady income and you know, how are you going to pay the bills? And so, um, yeah. it, it, but also how do you wake up and look at yourself in the mirror knowing that you're not happy? There you go. There you go. And I think that's what, mm-hmm. that's what drives a lot of us entrepreneurs. All right. So you're still really in the journey of trying to build your business. What would you yes. say has been the hardest part so far about starting up your own business? For me, the hardest part about starting my own business has been understanding the finances, understanding how to manage your business money versus your personal money. And so getting consulting through um, an accountant, understanding what's tax deductible, understanding how to set yourself up to have funds to be able to build up because starting a business costs a lot of money. And so I think a misconception can be, oh, you just quit your job and you can go straight into it. No, you want a financial resource that can be pouring into your business until your business is able to take off on its own. Yeah. Um, so that, that and might actually, mean biting your tongue, biting your tongue for a little while, biting your time yeah, with a day job yeah, while you yeah. start to put the pieces in place to build your business. Yes, yes, absolutely. And talking about the business and sharing about it and sharing your dreams and your goals, because my business has been able to thrive off of word of mouth, and I'm very grateful for that for people to see and experience. And then they share with a colleague and, you know, now I'm speaking at Elgin Community College and I'm going to Illinois State and doing workshops. And um, it's about allowing people to know what you're doing and how they can add to the puzzle piece. Well, it's also, it sounds like, about stepping out of your comfort zone because Mm -hmm. there's really nothing in your background that you described that, I would think prepares you to mm-hmm. to go out and promote yourself as a speaker. Is that is that something you enjoy, or was that a little nerve wracking at first, or it was just you just felt like it was um, something you needed to share with people, and so mm-hmm. even though you hadn't done a lot of that before, it was just something you had to do. I I believe that I have a lot of experience in speaking because it stems from the place of advocacy. So even when I was in college, I held a lot of leadership positions, started organizations, started clubs on, you know, either mental health awareness, Latino wellness, or just the, the black and Latino community and just talking about the discrepancies that were happening on campus. But little did I know that all of those speaking engagements were preparing me to do it professionally and to be able to learn the language to do so. There's a lot of things that I'm doing right now that people will say I'm not qualified for. And I've never <laughs> taken a single dance class. I've never taken a professional dance class, but I am a dancer because I've been blessed to be in spaces where I have been around professional dancers and I've absorbed what they were bringing to the room. Well, um, I would say again, once again, I would say you're not you're a very typical entrepreneur who mm. looks at it and says, it's not, oh my gosh, I don't know how to do that. I guess I better fold up shop and go home or wait till I figure it all out. You were just right. basically saying, okay, I see this. Right. I will draw on whatever resources I can. Yeah. Um, yeah. Skills that I've developed in the past that I didn't know I could apply here and people in mm-hmm. my network. And if I don't have people in my network, I'm going to find those people. So Yeah, yes. And I do have to give credit to, as you mentioned, finding people, my business consultants. I go to a church called New Life Covenant Southeast, and one day I was there with my niece, and we were sitting next to this woman who had 
neon colored nails and I love neon <laughs> colors. It's a part of my business brand. And so I complimented her and, you know, we exchanged numbers and we had scheduled one week from that day to just call and, and to get to know each other and see how we can just build a friendship or relationship. And then that day that we had scheduled it, I was having problems at my job in which the contract that I was under, it was a grant and they were saying that they had run out of money. And so I would be terminated earlier than anticipated. Mm. And so I'm sharing with her and I'm just like, you know, I don't know how I'm going to be able to maintain and I have a little bit of savings, but, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do next. And so she's listening and then she's like, Christina, do you realize that I'm a business consultant? I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, everything that you're describing, I have solutions. And so I hired her. And so I had, I knew that I was an art therapist and I did dance food therapy, but I was like, how do I provide this as a service? How do I market this? And she built my business. It's like as if I was making soup and I had all the ingredients, but I just didn't know how to get it into the container. I didn't know how to cut it. I didn't know how much carrots, how much celery, does the potato go first, all these things. And she just, because she's so skilled at it, she just guided me throughout the whole process, had me, you know, build a website where they can click and add service and it's interactive. And so I had to give a lot of credit for her. You do have a being very nice website, by the way. I've, I took a look at Thank it before you. the show, but it's a very nice website. Thank um, you. So th- this sounds like because you're still, it sounds like experimenting with a number of different ways that you might take your business yeah, I wanted to ask what a typical project looks mm-hmm. like, but it sounds like I, I don't know if there is a typical one. There um, isn't. <laughs> but, um, you know, tell our listeners just a little bit about a couple of the projects that maybe that you found the most fun and rewarding. Yeah, so I would say right now, being able to look back and realize that all the jobs that I was being let go of for advocating for providing solutions that that is what made me realize I'm actually a business consultant. I'm a solutionist in the way of when I see mental health, I know strategies on how to increase that. So throughout the week, I I do a lot of um, consulting for that organization, but throughout the evenings, I also do workshops in different community spaces. So like an example would be, I'm going to Illinois State University and they're having a TRIO day. TRIO is a student support system and helping first generation students be able to uh, make it to graduation. And Mm -hmm. so being able to be brought on board and to do a speaking engagement where I talk about, you know, what is dance movement therapy? What is trauma? How does this look like in our body? How does it navigate the world we we live in? And then giving them the real life experience of, okay, now we're going to go through an actual group session on getting people up and moving and breathing and dancing. Um, that, and so, I think that's mm-hmm. great. You know, my daughter is a freshman or a sophomore rather now down at the University of mm-hmm. Illinois at Champaign. And, you know, I guess I never was aware until I had a, a kid who was in college. But the mm-hmm. incidence of depression and anxiety oh, my in colleges is, Panic attacks is and, just mm-hmm. astounding. And it's skyrocketing. And it, frankly, mm-hmm. um, the student complaints, according to my daughter, and this resonates with what yeah. I heard from other people, is that mm-hmm. the universities are overwhelmed in colleges. They don't. Yeah. Most of them don't have enough resources to even be able to help Mm-mm. help the students. They don't. They don't. And I've seen this more and more, which is why um, I have a passion to reach out to universities and colleges because so many people are dropping out. So many people are struggling with alcoholism and addiction. They're struggling with just really that depression and social anxiety. And then if you bring in social media, now that's another layer that's affecting them. And they're not able to go to school. They're not able to sleep. They're, they're having panic attacks, going to the hospital. Yeah. And when they are referred, the number one thing, even when I was in school, I was an academic peer advisor. The number one thing we're supposed to do is refer them to counseling. But if the wait for counseling is three to four weeks, they need something that day. Right. Um, I and I my, think my daughter joked, she said, unless you're t- you tell them you're, you're going to jump you're off suicidal. a bridge, that they, uh, they will not help you. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, I, and that's I very found that astounding. Yeah. Wow. It's very, it's very disheartening to hear. But I know that 
changes have to be made to help to help these students to succeed. So, all right. So you're you're going to Illinois State to do a workshop now. Is that something mm-hmm. that came about because the university is putting more resources into this sort of thing, or did that come about some other way? So again, it's with the TRIO program. And so because I was a part of TRIO, I had been going back and volunteering my time to speak and and helping other artists find their way as I did on campus. And the director of the specific program, Shatoya Black, was just so blown away by what I was able to share and do in my life journey that she promised to bring me back under a contract. And so I have developed the relationship where I'll be coming back more frequently to to have these talks about depression and art and depression and movement. And then from there, that's been helping me to be going to conferences to start speaking. I speak at a conference called Beyond Consequences, in which it's for schools who are interested in becoming trauma-informed. And it facilitated after the conversation of shootings in schools and the teachers and principals not feeling like they had enough resources about how do we help these students to prevent that, but also post the incident. And so I'm actually going to Montana in May. One of the women was a principal at Lane Deer, and she is struggling with helping her teachers be more informed about what does trauma look like in diverse backgrounds. And so she's flying me out there for a day of professional development wow. where we're just going to talk about it. And, Fantastic. And so it's nationwide. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Well, I've got to ask you to put your thoughts here on hold for just a minute. Sure. Is we need to take a very quick break for station identification and a word from a few of our sponsors. But we'll be right back to chat some more with Christina. So hang on, folks. You're listening to Doris Nagel, and we are here today with Christina Fontanelle. Christina, I should have asked you before you started. You pronounce it Mm -hmm. Fontanelle, is that right? Fontanelle. Fontanelle. So I apologize Mm -hmm. for mispronouncing it, but we are here with Christina, who runs a business called Fontanelle Art, and it involves art and dance therapy to help people with trauma and other kinds of I guess mental illness is maybe the way yeah. to put it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you you were talking before the break about the fact that most of your clients come from word of mouth. Talk a little bit more about how that's worked for you because obviously finding clients, uh, it's either finding money or finding clients are the two biggest mm-hmm. things that most small business people are concerned about. So how have you made that approach to finding clients work for you? So something that I find very interesting that I've been doing since I was in high school is that I've been collecting business cards since I was 14. <laughs> and everywhere I went, 14? I just collected and collected. And I had no idea why. But I, I just, just had listening this to the radio impulse. when I was 14, Christina. So. <laughs> I was not your typical high schooler. I guess um, not. so... I just collected and collected in every journey in life I went through. And when I finally sat down and decided to go full time, I took out my enormous stack of business cards and I said, okay, this is where we start. Let's start in my network. Let's start with who I've already encountered and met and see if I can't help them directly. I'm sure that they know someone within their circle and so forth. And another thing I do is that I go to a networking event once a week. And I put myself in spaces where mental health is not talked about or it's not common. And I start the conversation there. For example, what kind of situations is that? Yeah. So I was asked to speak on a panel through an organization called Womanish. And the specific topic was selfish. How can women learn to preserve themselves on a day-to-day basis? And so I was brought on board as a mental health specialist. Um, There was also a woman who owned a restaurant, a woman who was a psychic, and then another woman who was in the community, but also helping mothers be able to maintain on a day-to-day basis. So when I spoke at that panel, that opened up enormous opportunities because people didn't realize that you can use art and movement to talk about mental health. And that just brought so many more opportunities and opened up my circles. And so I tried to speak in many spaces and places that I can. 
It's, a, it's not that easy, though, to become a speaker. It takes a lot of work, in my experience. I mean, you make it sound very easy, but you often have to do a lot of research on platforms that you might speak mm-hmm. at and figure out who the organizer is and the right person to contact mm-hmm. and, you know, come up with a pitch idea for them. In my experience, it takes a lot of work. And so mm-hmm. you you make it sound so easy, but I, I'm not sure that it is. So, you know, I so think, what's your secret? Mm-hmm. I think my secret is that being a person who identifies as Afro-Latina, so being in both the Black and Latino community, speaking wasn't a choice. Speaking was a, a tactic of survival. Mm-hmm. It was how I advocated for myself. You know, it started with being in high school and advocating for what college I wanted to go to, being in college and advocating for more scholarships, advocating for my teachers to not discriminate against me, advocating for justice, advocating for equality. And so it was... It was truly a gift, but it was honed in on real life experiences. And so now that I've brought it to the professional realm, I've been able to just be more aware of, yes, what is the organization? What is their mission? What is their vision? How can I make that in alignment with what I'm trying to say? So I think at this point, it's no longer a choice for me, but it's a demand that has been placed on my life. With the education, the platform that I've received, I have to speak up. Well, you're certainly very articulate. I can say that from just speaking with you Thank for you. a few minutes. So that helps a lot. And also the passion shines through mm-hmm. when you talk. Yeah. So, uh, so you've got Thank a lot you. of different, oh, you're, you're, you're absolutely welcome. People who know me know I just speak what I think. So I, I don't, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm not uh, a person who says, Oh, you're so wonderful. You're so articulate when I think you're, really, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I get myself in a lot of trouble sometimes to be very honest with you mm-hmm. because I do say what I think. Mm-hmm. So you're doing a lot of different kinds of things, but I suspect at some point, and I, and I bet you do too, that at some point you may want to put some more focus or be known as, as, something more focused than maybe all the different things you do now. Right. Yeah. So to that, to that point, what, what is your ideal client look like? Oh, this is perfect timing. I actually <laughs> just got uh, an email. I had been a part of this interview process and it's called um, First Founders. And it is a fellowship program for young entrepreneurs within the three to five year range of starting their business. And that's actually my next step. I'm going to be paired with a coach that's going to help me just really hone in on what is my specialty and how can I develop that further. Mm -hmm. And so I'll be taking classes. I'll have a cohort. It's all virtual with a couple of days um, downtown Chicago. And I know that in the interviews, the process, they were just like, well, what are you struggling with? And what is your next step? And so for me to have received that yesterday, I know that I'm going further and further and understanding the business realm a lot more mm. in order to succeed. Well, congratulations. You know, a friend of mine says that that's, that's a sign that the universe is hugging you. When mm. the paths, things seem to happen. There, there are things you try to do, yes. and it just seems like every time you turn, it's difficult, it's hard, it's frustrating mm-hmm. and then you pivot one day and do something else and you find yeah. that for whatever reason things just and I, I, I think doing the radio yeah. show was one for me just mm-hmm. you know the number of people who reached out and mm-hmm. and the number of amazing people that I've been able to connect with and so my friend calls yeah. that when the universe he says the universe is hugging you and it sounds like the universe is hugging you Yes, yes. And regardless of, you know, what people's backgrounds or their beliefs, whether it's God or a different higher power, really being able to listen to that voice inside of us, that intuition. Um, Something that was just interesting, I was reading in the news this morning about, you know, the coronavirus and the outbreak and how it has arrived to Chicago. And one of the schools that I was going to teach at 
there was a lot of things that were going wrong. The dates in the email were wrong. I was supposed to get a background check, and the place ended up being closed, which prolonged the process. And something was telling me to just to just turn down this opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, this. A lot of things are going wrong, and this isn't usually how things go. So I sent them, you know, a resignation. Nothing had started yet. That you know, grateful for the opportunity. This morning, that's the school that had one of the outbreaks of the coronavirus. Wow, that is really crazy. You know, so you just anticipated my next question, which is the clients that mm-hmm. you might steer away from. And I don't mm-hmm. know if you found this or not, but I certainly have in my past businesses, which is sometimes the clients you look for, that's a really mm-hmm. important thing. You know, marketing people will say, well, you've got to find your persona, right? And and pitch right. to the persona and, and focus on that. But I think sometimes finding clients that you don't want to focus on and being upfront about that is, mm-hmm. is equally important because you, your time is, is really your limiting factor. It's your most precious resource. It is. And so it if you is. spend a lot of time with people who might be very nice and interesting and even interested in you at some level, but if if you're mm-hmm. spending a lot of time with people who are not good fits as clients, it's not a good mm-hmm. return on the investment of your time. But I've also found, and I'm curious whether you have as well, that when you're starting out as an entrepreneur, it's a really, really hard to say no to somebody, even if it's yeah. a project you don't really want to do or you're not that excited yeah. about or you don't get good vibes from you know, mm-hmm. about something about the project. So have you yes. experienced that, and, and how do you deal with that? I have. I have experienced that, and I'm grateful that God has been able to place specific people in my life to speak to those things. And I had a close friend who said, you know, don't become an opportunist. Don't say yes to every opportunity because you think that it will advance you if it doesn't align with what your purpose is and not letting the determining factor be finances. You saying yes to something because it it would be a good return, but it's not what you want to do or it's not convenient or requires a lot of effort that you're not able to focus in on in that moment. And so really being able to say, hey, you know, I appreciate the interest. Let's stay connected. Let's see if in the future we can try to find something that works for both of us. The most important thing I want is to maintain relationships because you never know when you may have to return to that bridge again. And so everything <laughs> uh, I do wise, is a reflection words, of my business. Yeah. Everything I do, how long it takes me to reply, whether I return the phone call, whether I'm able to follow through, everything is a reflection of my business. And the last thing I need is for someone to have a bad experience. Yeah. So finding the line of being honest, straightforward, but yet professional at the same time. So what are some of the unexpected roadblocks that you've come across as you've been trying to build your business? I have developed a program for after school or during school within the Chicago public school system in which it would be a six to eight week program just addressing the social and emotional concerns and the target population being who are struggling with behavior, fighting, you know, on the verge of dropping out low attendance, the ones who are in detention are the ones that I wanted to work on, to work in and provide that alternative. And to my surprise, a lot of schools have turned away this program. Hmm. Um, just not being able to admit that there is a crisis in Chicago with safety and mental health and discrimination, especially within the immigrant population. And so I, that, I think that has been very interesting to see. Yeah, and and I'm sure, I think it's not whether you'll hit roadblocks, it's how you mm-hmm. deal with the inevitable roadblocks has been, yeah. certainly yeah. been my experience. Right. Talk a little bit about what the future holds in your mind. What What are the kinds of things you want to focus on going forward? So the things I would like to focus on going forward is really being present within the school district nationwide and eventually going international wow. it's been on that, my there's heart there's a lot too. of schools out there christina that means yeah I think, <laughs> I think that means you and yeah. your lonesome cannot do it on your own is what you're saying and 
And last week, I just onboarded my first employee. I have a marketing and outreach. Yeah, thank you. I have a new outreach and um, marketing coordinator. And my goal for Fontanelli Art is to now be able to provide contracts around the world for new art therapists and new dance movement therapists who are struggling to find employment. Because one thing that they don't tell you within the creative therapy world is that you will not... You will not be able to look for a job and just say dance and therapy positions. It does not exist. Every job I've had, I've built it. I've created it. I've pitched it. I've said, you need me because I'm able to offer this. And there's so many people who are reaching out to me online and social media saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about going to school, but I heard that there's no job. Or I'm thinking about dropping out from my therapy program because I'm not sure that I'll be able to make income off of it. And so to be able to be a platform of, like, if I can secure the contracts in different places, we need more of you. We need more therapists. We need more creatives. And so to be able to build the bridge to keep the the field alive. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious about the process of hiring your first person. So talk a Mm -hmm. little bit more about how you decided you needed help in this specific area and how you went about deciding what kind of person you wanted to bring on because you know a lot of us in, when we're starting a business there, there's a whole lot of things we, we get to wear a whole lot of hats right yeah out of all the different things you could have done how did you how did you decide yeah. that's what you needed and how did you go about finding that kind of person so she found me and she pursued me as far as a business she was very adamant about, she's like, I need to be a part of your company. I'm not sure why. She had this very strong urge that she believed that she was sent by God to be an extra help. And when we first met about it, she was like, you know, have you thought about expanding? And my first reaction was like, no, you know, I got this. I can do this. I've been doing this on my own. And then like literally that week right after everything, like I just got overwhelmed with so many emails, so many opportunities, but not having enough time or manpower mm-hmm. to execute. I was, yeah. you know, consulting during the day and staying up until three, four in the morning, just getting back to people and building right. proposals. And I, well, and you need time as a creative. I'll, yeah, I'll say this as a musician myself. You need time mm-hmm. to be able to have those creative juices going. So if you're yeah. working, working, working and doing administrative stuff all day long, that part of you that is so creative and artistic. Yeah. Um, it's not getting fed. Yeah. You got to have time to feed mm-hmm. that because that's, that's mm-hmm. the root of who you are and what your business is about. Exactly. And that's self care, right? Yeah, it is. And that's being it able is. to be mindful of that. And it so is. I followed up with her shortly after and I was just, explaining to her, I was like, you know what, I think I will consider it. And I told her I am not at a point where I'm able to pay her. And so let's discuss how this would look like. And she is a volunteer employee. And, you know, we did the non-disclosure. We did, you know, the limitations of like, okay, five to ten hours. Here's how we're going to communicate. This is what I expect. I did a whole onboarding presentation with her about my mission, my goals, my future, how she plays a role. And she was just completely on board and this is where we're at now, and I believe I can feel within my spirit that I'm gonna have a lot more people coming my way, wanting to contribute to the cause. I have no doubt of that. So you've sketched out, I think, a pretty ambitious kind of a mission for your company, which mm-hmm. is pretty clear you can't do all by yourself. So where do you see Correct. your business being? ideally in five years and what are some of the things you're going to have to do differently and change and put in place to get there in five years i see having different headquarters in different places so like in california and new york and florida and having a team of art therapists and dancers and therapists and doing a training that i've developed and it's called smart training submerging movement and art for radically trauma-informed transformation. And I see myself being able to hone in and teach, you know, about 10, 15, 20 people what this presentation is, how does it um, relate to our field, and then having that flourish on its own and be its own entity for me to just come, fly in, check in, make sure everything's running smoothly. 
Um, I know that demand is so great, and I know that it will be in alignment, that there are people out there waiting for me. They're yeah. waiting for this opportunity. They're waiting for someone to take the lead. They, I'm sure they are. There are challenges, though, to taking a business from being basically a solopreneur, which is you're mm-hmm. taking the first baby steps by, by bringing somebody else on and working with uh, someone mm-hmm. who's kind of your, your right hand. But um, there's a lot of there's a lot of things to think about, I'm sure, as you mm-hmm. bring on people, which is how to hire them, how to train them and onboard them, how to make mm-hmm. sure they share your vision. What kind of infrastructure do you think you'll need to have in place to, to manage all that? You know, I think at this point I'm first being focused on what type of people I'm looking for and understanding what is it that I lack that maybe someone else can contribute. Mm. Um, so coming from a place where it's not selfish, but just you're skilled in this, I don't have that much experience in this, or you can add to this, and then building it from there. And I'm also very grateful that my circle of friends are CEOs. My circle of friends have businesses. They have dance companies. They have contracts. So I've already been placed in a position where it's happening in their lives, and I'm witnessing from behind the scenes. You know, having a team of 20 people who travel all over Chicago to do these contracts, that's where that came to my fruition. And so I'm sure that when I get closer and closer, that God will continue to place people where they're, where I'm already trying to be. And so I'll be able to learn from those experiences. Very, very inspirational. Christina, what advice would you give to others who are just starting on the path of maybe thinking about starting their own business or maybe they've got a side hustle mm-hmm. and they're wondering if they should quit their day job or or maybe they're in the business but are just struggling. Looking back, what advice would you give your younger mm-hmm. self? The advice that I would give my younger self is listen to who you are. Listen to what catches your attention, what draws you in, what pushes you away. And I think this ties beautifully with my meditation journal called Aligning Your Inner Self. Yeah, it's a meditation talk a little journal. bit about that. Talk about that. How did yeah. that come about? So the meditation journal came from a time when I was experiencing homelessness in Miami. And I was living, you know, at a, a friend's house who I met through church, but I, I didn't know her that well. And she just welcomed me into her family. And I needed something to keep me from falling into depression. And I just evaluated my life, like, what am I doing? Where do I want to go? Am I happy? Is this, you know, where I want to be? And so I got a vision of what needed to go inside the book, and I started practicing it myself to see if it would help me understand. And it did. It all worked. And I tried it with my clients at the detox I was working at, and people just started crying with the type of questions I was asking and and how it was just what they needed on that day at that time. And once I got that confirmation, I was like, okay, it's time to publish it. I can speak to it from a firsthand experience. And so what I would say for people is to know how does your mind, body, and spirit serve in a capacity in the world, but to yourself? What is your purpose in life? And what what have you been exposed to to show you who you are today? Uh, very wise words of wisdom. So is your is your journal available? Can can people go to Amazon and find it online? Yes, they can find it on Amazon. They can also find it on my website, funcinelliart.com, and it's called Aligning Your Inner Self. And it's a 28-day meditation journal that helps you reflect on, you know, your thoughts, your thinking. A lot of times we're saying, oh, how are you? Oh, I'm good. Oh, but yeah. in my journal, exactly. I break down. Yeah, that's superficial, but we're we're made of so many components. How well, are you and, mentally? Right. How and, are you physically? And, mm-hmm. and, you know, if you start to tell people, they say, how are you? And you say, well, I'm having a really terrible day. And, you know, I uh, my dog is sick and, you know, I don't feel good. And, you know, and people mm-hmm. are like, yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks very much. I now you're disclosing it. too much. Right. right. They're like, yeah, I, I got I to gotta, mm-hmm. gotta go. <laughs> I have my own stuff going on, right? right? And so where where is a space where you can dive deep into that? And journaling can be very intimidating for people. 
they see a blank page and they don't know where to start. They don't know how to start. So it's a beautiful guide on asking simple questions to help you build your gratitude, look at your strengths, and develop self-care through self-love. That is very, very cool. Uh, all right, so um, just to wrap up, I mm-hmm. want to say thank you, Christina, for being on the show today and sharing your story and being so open and candid with some of the challenges and mm-hmm. and how you find inspiration. How should people reach you? What's the best way? They Let's say we have listeners either on the show or the podcast version that are interested yeah. in learning more. Maybe they want you to come speak or... You know, they just need some advice. They they want to learn more. What's yeah, the best way to reach you? They can reach me through my website at FontanelliArt.com. If you put in art and movement therapy, I will be one of the pages that comes up on the Google search. And from there, we can touch base. We'll do like a 30-minute phone call, and I'll be able to consult and build from there. Okay. Well, once again, I want to say thank you so much for being on the show and being, you know, just being present to share your story. Thank you for allowing me to have a platform to share it. Yeah. And uh, we'll watch the progress of your business. I wish you all the luck in the world. And I have no doubt Fontanelli Arts is a business we're going to have to keep an eye on. So once again, thanks a lot. We'll let you, we'll let you go, Christina. Enjoy your day. Thank you. You as well. All right, that's our show for this week. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. And thanks again to our guest today, Christina Fontanelli from Fontanelli Art. To listen to an on-demand recording podcast of today's show, along with other free information and resources for entrepreneurs, you can go to the Savvy Entrepreneur show page at lakesradio.org or to my consulting site, which is globalocityservices.com. Now, be sure to join us next Saturday when our guests will be Aaron Olson and Merdad Ajmani. They are the co-founders of a Madison, Wisconsin-based company called Novomoto, and they provide solar power to people who are off the grid in the People's Republic of Congo. A fascinating story, and they not only are, have a great story to tell and are very articulate, but they are making the lives of lots of people better, so you won't want to miss it. Until then, I'm Doris Nagel, wishing you happy entrepreneuring.